Good morning. It is my privilege to be here this morning. I am blessed to be able to be here and join you at this time. And uh, we have got a, we've got a great, a great day on the go. We've got an amazing day on the go. And you know what? We are in the midst of a summer sermon series. And it's called Cultivate. And uh, last week, Pastor Marvin had an actual cultivator out on the stage. That represents work. It represents labor. And we've done, we're now on number five. So who can remember what the first ones were? What was the very first one? Love. Pastor Mark spoke on love. And then next he spoke on joy. And then peace. Pastor Marvin spoke on on patience and how we need to build margin into our life to to allow for that. And today we're going to talk about kindness. And uh, our, our passage that we've been looking at is from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. And I hope that you have a Bible or an app or something with you today because we're going to be going through Scripture this morning. A lot of it will be on the screen. But let's just take a look. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So how many of those are there? Nine. Right? I counted nine. The context of this passage is about freedom. It's about freedom in Christ. If you take a look at the very first verse of chapter 5, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. That's the very first intro. Then we get into verse 7. It says, you are running a good race. Who cut in front of you to keep you from obeying the truth? So now it's getting very personal. And then we move into verse 14, which says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping just one command. This one command. And what is that? It's love your neighbor as yourself. If we walk by the Spirit, we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Fruit is a result, right? Fruit trees bear fruit. Uh, it's the result of our effort. It's the result of our labor, our, the, the fruit of our labor. Um, fruit of the Spirit is the resultant work of the Spirit. And it says fruit there. Even though there's nine, it says fruit singular, so one. So the fruit, the result. It means that all of these things uh, work together. They all work in conjunction with one another, not separately. Uh, singular fruit stresses the fact that what the Spirit works constitutes a unity. And you might recall, in, uh, when Pastor Mark was first introducing this subject to us, he had a bowl of fruit. Do you remember that bowl of fruit? I was sitting over there and I thought, wow, he always has snacks up here. That's just incredible. So he's got food and he starts eating it. And I thought, and he threw away some grapes and stuff. And I think, wow, that's really nice. So you know what? I've got something that's just a little bit different. But the idea was all the fruit was in one bowl. So I'm going to take it just a little bit further because I think, I think this will illustrate it better, if I may. So I don't often get to play in the kitchen at our house, and probably for good reason. But today, I brought one of my wife's tools, uh, and no, nothing meant by that at all other than the kitchen is, is her tools are in the kitchen, my tools are in the garage. And that's just kind of how we do it. But you know what? All of the things work together, right? All of these things work together. Let's see if it works. 
Yep, we got it. Okay, so they all work together. The whole idea of this is that these things are not separate. They're together. So I thought, you know, he had a banana, right? You remember that? So he had a little bit of protein or uh, what's that? Potassiums in bananas, right? He had a little bit of bananas. So there's nine of them, right? I've got nine here. Who's had a nine-fruit smoothie? I know that there's a shop called Nine Fruit Smoothies, but they don't put nine fruits in their smoothies. This morning, we're going to try nine fruits in smoothies. So they are kind of selected. We've got a little bit of everything here to try and... Hopefully that just makes it just even that much better. We've got a little bit of everything here to try and... So let's, let's call them out. Love. Bananas was love. Peaches is joy. We've got some mangoes, which is going to be peace. We've got some other yellow stuff, which is going to be called patience. <laughs> We've got some strawberries, I think, or some kind of... That's going to be called kindness. Then we've got some goodness, and we've got some faithfulness, and we've got some gentleness. Who knows, if gentleness was a color, what would it be? I don't think it would be pink. I think it would be kind of like, I don't know, mauve, like that. And then we've got self-control. All right, so we've got all these things together. So the fruit of the Spirit is more like... I think it's more like that. What do you think? So, now comes the real test, huh? You know, I wonder if he's live streaming. Wouldn't that be funny? Pastor? (laughs) It's actually quite good. Who wants them? If you want some, I've got, I've got three glasses. Who wants some? I need a server. So Hal is going to serve. Come on up, buddy. Hal is going to serve. we got three people. So get your hands up, folks. This one's mine. Okay. I'm going to keep going. You just do your thing. All right. So it's singular. It's all together. All of these things are cohesive in one thing. They all work together. They're not, they're not separate, right? You don't have love without patience. You don't have kindness without peace. They all kind of work together. What do you think of? When you think of kindness, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Nobody's got any ideas. Okay, it's too early. You need some of this. You need some of this to help you get this morning. So... The first thing that could come to mind might be, it might be uh, maybe an encouraging note from a friend. Who gets those? I get those occasionally. Usually doing what I do, no news is good news. Usually what I get is this is broken or that needs to be fixed, that kind of stuff. But maybe an encouraging note sent by a friend. Uh, a, cry, a, a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes we just need someone to give us a hug, right? Um, maybe your mom's chocolate chip cookies just fresh out of the oven. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of kindness. I am really looking forward this summer. We are going to see my in-laws, and my mother-in-law is an amazing baker. 
And who would agree that there is nothing like the smell of fresh baked bread? Wow. And she will do that for me. I know she will. I am looking forward to that very, very much. You may remember, um, if you were around in the 80s, who was, who, was, who was a teenager in the 80s? Just throw your hand up. Who was a teenager in the 80s? I was sort of in there. Okay. So you know what? You might recall this place. It had the same colors as Best Buy, blue and yellow, but there was one on every street corner. And in there, they had these black plastic rectangles with reels of tape inside of there that had movies on them. And you could rent those things from Blockbuster Video, and you could play that VHS tape in your VCR. Everything was letters, right? You could play your VHS in the VCR. And this is way before DVDs and Blu-ray and YouTube and Netflix, all that stuff, way before all of that. But these things, they, they played. So when it got to the end, it stopped. Then what? It had to be rewound. So it became, a, it became a thing. There was actually a campaign that they introduced, and when you opened up the box that your, your video came in, there was a little round sticker right on the case, right on the cassette. And this is what it said. It said, be kind, rewind. That was right there. Be kind, rewind. So they, they, what they did was they reduced a, a, the, all that is kindness to a common courtesy. And even though kindness does involve courtesy, and even common courtesy, it's a whole lot more than that as well. So we're going to take a look at that this morning. Kindness includes simple courtesy, but it's much more than that. Uh, Mark Twain said, Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So what does that tell me, or you? That tells me that it's something that is experienced personally. Kindness is personal and experiential. Kindness includes attributes such as loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. It's a quality shown in the way we speak and in the way that we act. Kindness is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. What it is is a choice. We exercise our will. There's a Greek word for it too. And the Greek word is krestotois. And that word uh, refers to uh, Compassion, faithfulness to one's obligations, including uh, relatives, friends, and slaves. So it's all-inclusive, your obligations. So anything that you might be interacting with, kindness refers to all of that. So it's a way of being. How do we live out kindness? Fortunately, there are some scriptures that help us with that, that give us some parameters on it. And one of those is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, Christ, as in Christ God did for you. Let me say that again. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Another one is from Titus. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. So it's not something that we can attain or work towards. It's something that's freely given. Kindness is an attribute of God. It's also a characteristic of love. In 1 Corinthians, lots of people read this at their weddings. It's an incredible passage of Scripture, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're not going to read it all, but 
part of it, starting down at verse 4, says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Kindness is all wrapped up in that. We are encouraged to offer it to others, we read in the Gospels. So, kindness is a choice. It's a choice to show loving affection. It's a choice to show sympathy and friendliness and patience. And I like to look at things... This, I got a new Bible, and you know what? The words are like this big. The words are really big. So I'm going to be able to read it today. And I would like to read to you from it today. And I would like to read to you a little story about David and Mephibosheth. Do you guys remember who Mephibosheth is? Let's see, let's see kindness in action, all right? That's what we're going to do right now. Let's see kindness in action. David to Mephibosheth, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. There's a little bit of a backstory here, but it starts off with, David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David, as probably a lot of us would, would know or remember, King David wasn't always King David. King David was a servant to Saul, King Saul. King Saul had many sons, but one of those was Jonathan. Jonathan and David became very good friends, and they made a pact with each other. And David's part of the pact was to uphold and protect Jonathan's family should anything happen. Well, turns out it did. One day, King Saul and his sons went off to battle, and they were defeated. They did not come back. There was a lot going on at the palace on that day when news spread. Jonathan had a son. His son's name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth had a maid that looked after him. And in the haste to leave to a place of safety, she picked up the boy and ran as fast as she could go. Unfortunately, she dropped him, and the baby suffered a permanent injury as a result. He was lame in both of his feet. He couldn't walk properly. So back then, this was a significant thing. If you can't function properly, then you can't work. If you can't work, you can't provide an income. If you can't provide an income, you're a weight on society. So these are all of the things that were a part of Mephibosheth's life now. But he was in safety. So this is David now. David's now king. And he's wanting to honor his agreement with his friend Jonathan. Is there anyone? There was a servant from Saul's household. Saul had a servant named Ziba. And they asked him, is there anyone still around from Jonathan's family? And uh, Ziba said, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Emil. You like how they do that, huh? Those tongue twister names for starters. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, and he replied, at your service. Don't be afraid, David said to him. I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Look at what he does. This is what he does. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather. So all of King Saul's land is now given back to his family. And 
you will always eat at my table. He will always have a place at the king's table, at the palace. Mephibosheth was like, just blown away, I'm sure, by all of that, all of this kindness. The huge significance of this, this is not like, say, suddenly winning $64 million. This is not like winning the lottery. This is not a random thing. This is something that stretches out. There's a point in time, and then it continues. It continues because Mephibosheth had a son, and his name was Micah. And Micah had more descendants. So now all of a sudden, King Saul's lineage, his name, it carries forward. That's powerful. So it's a, it's a lifelong, generational and beyond kind of a kindness that we see there. We have also, do you see the parallel here? We have also been invited to eat at the king's table. Because of Jesus' death, which we just symbolically remembered, we've been invited to eat at the table of the king. What are you going to do with your invitation? That's a powerful thing. Let's look at another one. The unmerciful servant. There's a, there is a, this is a, this is really good. This is really good. The unmerciful servant. So we're going to flip over to, uh, that's in Matthew. Chapter 18. Verse 21 is where it starts. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 77, right? A lot. Keep doing it. That's the point. Keep doing it. The story goes this way. The, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, imagine that, 10,000 bags of gold, was brought to him, and since he was not able to pay it, the master ordered that he and his wife and children all be sold, all the property had just be sold to, to repay the debt. And at that point, the servant just fell. He fell on his knees, and he begged the king, give me time, be patient, and I will, and I will pay it back. The master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Wow. So again, this is not like a, you know, like a lottery winning thing here. This is just like an incredible thing, an act of kindness. There was nothing he, he did to earn that. Let him go. Look what happens next. The servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 bucks. So you think, okay, 10,000 bags of gold or $100. $100. Wow, that's not a lot. Then he grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So he was not showing kindness <laughs> to this guy at all. And the fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. He said, no, and he put him in jail. You think, wow, you just received amazing kindness, but you didn't offer it. So guess what happened when all the other servants saw that? Everybody went, <gasps> and they called the king. The king called this guy back in, and this is what he said. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. That is amazing. So 
Kindness should lead us to kindness. That's a, that's, that's a key point. Kindness should lead us to kindness. In God's kindness, he saved us through his son Jesus. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, right, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. The thing about kindness is that none of us deserve it or can earn it. Kindness is free and it's merciful. We've been shown the most amazing act of kindness that ever existed. Like Mephibosheth, we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve to eat at the king's table. And like the unmerciful servant, we've been forgiven a debt that we can never repay. But because of God's great kindness and compassion, he accepts us. Our lives should be characterized by kindness. Colossians says we are to clothe ourselves with kindness. Colossians 3 verse 12. We are to clothe ourselves with kindness. We are to love our enemies and do good to them, Luke said in his gospel. There's a, there's a couple of stories here from, from uh, let's take a look at Luke chapter 7. Flip over there real quick. There's one, the woman from Nain. The woman from Nain starts at verse 11. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. That's where the graveyard was, out of town. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So there's some key facts there. The only son. The only son of his mom, and she was a widow. So her place in life now was not looking particularly hopeful, because all possibilities were, were sort of fading away in the death of her husband, she was a widow, and now her son. Um, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the box they were carrying him on, and the people that were carrying it stopped, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Wow, that is powerful. Think of the witness that that had to the, all of those who were there that day, who saw that. That's just amazing. Let's flip over to another one. Uh, Jairus's house. That's in chapter 8 of Luke. Jesus provided for this lady, the woman from Nain, in such a way that couldn't, no one else could do that. Family could take her in and so on. It would not be the same. She now has a way to carry the name forward, the family forward. She has a way to build legacy. She has a way to provide for herself and her family. This is what Jesus gave her. He gave her incredible provision, incredible protection. So Jesus is doing a lot of stuff here, and he's about to head into a double header pretty soon. So at eight, chapter 8, verse 40, Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. Uh, they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, uh, a synagogue leader came and fell at Jesus' feet. So you know that we're getting to the point in Jesus' ministry where the temple people and the synagogue folks are not really getting along with Jesus so well. But this is going to be coming up soon. A man named Jairus, synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Jesus, on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was in the crowd who had been bleeding for decades touched him. 
And instantly she was healed. No one could help her. And instantly she was healed just by touching the cloak of Jesus. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Peter, one of the disciples, is like, seriously? There's hundreds of people around here, thousands even, and you want to know who touched you? There's a huge crowd around here. Somebody touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then when the woman knew that she was not going to go unnoticed, she came up and she fell at his feet in the presence of all the people, and she told she told him what she did. This is what he said to her. Do you remember what she said? Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So he doesn't even have those words out of his mouth. And someone from Jairus' house is coming up. And he says, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. So hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. She will be healed. How many people can relate to that experience? How many people can relate to a place where you are trusting? You are trusting and believing God, and you're not seeing it. You're just not hearing it, and you're not seeing it. And when God himself says to you, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't go and let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the parents. And they went in. People were wailing and mourning for her. And Jesus was like, stop wailing. And they said, they laughed at him. He said, she's not dead. And they laughed at him. <laughs> they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. And she got up. Her spirit returned. At once she stood up. Jesus, Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. He ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Just amazing, amazing things that our Lord has done. The things that he did out of kindness. The specifics that he knew. So a woman just simply touches his cloak and she's healed. News comes from the house that he's on his way to, that the patient has passed. And he tells the parents, don't worry. Don't worry. She'll be okay. Just believe. Just believe and she'll be okay. We need, to, we need to love our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the one rule, right? Love the neighbor as yourself. As we follow the gospel stories through even more, what were Jesus' words to the soldiers who were beating him and putting him on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The criminal on the cross beside him, one was jeering at him, another one asked him, when you come into your kingdom, please remember me. And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. That is kindness. Right up until his last breath, he's working out kindness. After uh, the, the, uh, the Passover was coming, so they took him off the cross, they put him in a tomb, rolled a big stone over the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, went to see him afterwards they went to see the body prepare the body and the stone was rolled away and there's a big shining light and they met an angel there and the angel said this he said he's not here he's risen right he has risen indeed he has risen jesus has risen he conquered death see the place where they laid him it's empty but go and tell his disciples this is part that i didn't really pick up on much before Go and tell his disciples 
and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. You'll see him there, just as he told you. And Peter. Wasn't Peter one of the disciples? So why, why and Peter? Just maybe the day before, what had Peter done? Do you recall this story? What had Peter done? Peter had denied him how many times? Not once, not twice, three times. So three times he had not just let down a friend in their dire need, at their most needy point, he disowned him. I don't know him. He denied him three times. Imagine what Peter started to experience right away. Guilt, shame. That's not something that's new, folks. This is something that was, I imagine, so heavy on his heart. So very, very heavy on his heart. And we have in Scripture for thousands of years and Peter. Jesus knew precisely what Peter needed. He knew what all the disciples needed too, but he knew what Peter needed and he spoke it. And Peter. He highlighted Peter. Kindness is gentle and it's mild. It's not harsh. It's not harsh. When I was a kid, the belt was part of punishment. And then usually it was just in making noises, right? The noise was, <laughs> was worse than, than anything. But occasionally, you know, you'd be the threat of the belt. And that would just bring tears to your eyes when you're a little kid. So this one time, my sister had done something. As the oldest and as a boy, I was always responsible. Not that I was a responsible boy, but that I was placed in the position of responsibility. So I had to shoulder the blame for what took place there. And I was punished. I was sent to my room. Later on, the truth came out, and my parents came and said, you know, there's somebody at the door who wants you to go outside and play soccer. You should go. Your sister told us what happened. You should go outside and play now. And I was mad. You know what it's like when your throat is all sore from crying and there's no more tears left and your gut is just sore? And I was mad, and I'm not going outside to play. So my parents made me go outside to play. They said, you're going outside to play. Get out there and have fun. There was no fun to be had. <laughs> the room for that was gone. <laughs> there was no margin for funness after that. Love is, is, kindness is love. Kindness is gentle. Kindness is mild. It is not harsh. Kindness is not harsh. Jesus was gentle with the widow of Nain, with the woman with the bleeding, with Jairus, with the criminal on the cross, and with good old Pete. He was, he was gentle with all of these people. Kindness aims to do good in a way that is gentle and mild in a way that is sensitive to the needs of people. And what the Spirit works is a unity. All of the fruit is to be evident in your life. All of it, all of it at once is supposed to be there. It's all connected. If you don't have goodness, you don't have kindness. It's all bound together if you don't, with love. Kindness is how love behaves. You could look at it that way. If you don't show kindness, it means you don't have love. If you don't show kindness, it means you don't have goodness. We need to clothe ourselves with kindness. We need to wrap it, we need to wrap it around us. Does anybody remember a TV show called uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? You ever heard of that? Mr. Rogers was, he was an ordained minister. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he was ordained. And he had a 
passion and a heart for children. And through the decades that his show ran, he was may have been a little quirky, you know, like he came into the house with his outdoor shoes and outdoor sweater, and he always changed into his indoor sweater and his indoor shoes. That was always the beginning of the show. But they always had some interesting characters and people in the neighborhood. Not too different from the neighborhoods we see around us. And they dealt with some issues. But every word uh, that was said, because it was all live TV, every word that was said, they rehearsed it, they practiced it, they intentionally chose it to speak to children, to speak to someone with a cognitive ability of a child. It was very, very intentional, very, very kind. The word kindness is better understood through practice. There's a slogan, right? Just do it. Nike has a slogan. Just do it. Here are five ways that you can cultivate kindness. Number one, touch. Touch is a good one. I got to say this. I'm just going to throw it out there. I am not a hugger. I am definitely not a hugger. I will shake your hand till the cows come home, but I'm not a hugger. Not at all. Ask Claudette. She will tell you that. I'm not a hugger. It's kind of like a, okay, if we have to. I'm not a hugger. So I know I've already kind of dispensed a few hugs this morning, so don't feel bad. <laughs> it comes from the heart. <laughs> Just know I'm way out of my comfort zone when hugging is involved. The same thing with butterfly kisses. Ugh, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not into that so much. Kids, yes, sure, okay. But for me, high fives, handshakes, a pat on the back. That's good, but touch, some kind of a touch. You can cultivate kindness just by looking out for that. We used to go, I used to always tell my kids this when, when they were young. We used to, uh, we would go in the more Saturday morning. Sometimes we'd go for a walk. We'd let mom rest and we'd just go out for a little walk. And this one Saturday morning we were doing this and I used to always talk to people along the way. You'd see people walking their dogs, people pushing strollers. You'd just talk and say hi. It's all surface conversation usually, but it's, you know, it's nice. You never know what a smile or a kind word is going to do for someone. You never know how that can change someone's day how it can change their hour, how it can change their life, perhaps. So this one day, we were walking, we'd said a few highs, we patted a few dogs, said hello to a few babies, and we're on our way back home, and there was this older gentleman kind of raking some leaves on his lawn, and I'm waiting, I'm looking, you know, you're kind of watching for an eye contact moment. Nothing was coming up, so I didn't really feel like inserting one, so I thought, well, we'll just keep going. I'm holding my daughter's hand, and then I hear some sobbing. She was upset. So, sweetheart, what's wrong? She said, you didn't say hello to that man. What if he's having a horrible day? And now he's going to be sad all day because we didn't say hello. Now, wow, the, the message I'm saying is sinking in. So we went back. Touch, a smile. Encourage your children to smile at others. A well-placed smile can instantly lighten up a room, promote laughter, brighten the mood. It can soften the hardest of hearts, right? Just having a, a big smile. Kind words. Uh, Proverbs says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but kind word cheers him up. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Just think of some kind things to say now and again. Listening ears. This one can be trying, okay? I know. I know what it's like to try and listen, but we need to listen. And so listening means sometimes talking, but usually not, right? Listening is listening. So you've got to hear you got to hear what's going on. you got to hear what people are saying. And then perhaps you can offer a kind word or a smile. But just the fact that there's someone there that they can vent on, that they can share with, that they can verbalize what's going on with them. 
listening ears. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Small acts of caring. You know what? We have a pastor, Kyle, did, uh, is our senior high youth pastor. He led communion this morning. Awesome job. Thank you. We have a, very, we have a skeletal team this morning, <laughs> pastorally. There's just a few of us that are here. We're very thankful he was here. And you know what? This is something that he does. They do random acts of kindness with our senior highs, right? They collect change over time. They pool it all together, and they go out. Some of you guys maybe have done some of this. You go out just to, in groups, always in groups of three or more, I believe, because safety is a factor. And we go out and we want to just bless people. Stand in line at Tim's, stand in line at the gas station, stand in line at the grocery store and just pay for stuff. Always out of those small acts of kindness are some amazing stories. There's stories that come out. There's God moments that come out. People in line with not enough money to pay for their groceries. People looking like, how am I going to feed my kid tonight? And all of a sudden, it's paid for. There's amazing stories that can come out of Small acts of caring. The simple things that we can do. I think we underestimate, I think we underestimate the power of, of a touch or, or a smile or a kind word sometimes. People come into our lives for a reason, a season, and sometimes a lifetime. And we want to be able to hear them, experience life with them, and offer kindness to them. I'm going to ask if the worship team could come back up. And uh, you know what? We've all been sitting for a while. Why don't we all stand up? You guys didn't have the benefit of a smoothie this morning like I have. Too much bananas, I think. The kindness of God appears to us through the life of Jesus. God saw a whole lot of hurt, brokenness, and despair... And he saw people with no hope of breaking free from the pain and suffering. So he sent his son Jesus to the rescue. And there wasn't any logical reason for him to do that. He saw people with no hope of breaking free from pain and suffering. Mostly stuff that we brought on ourselves. But fortunately God didn't treat us like we deserved. That's what sin does to us. It locks us in. It holds us back like a prisoner. We're, we're shackled. We're chained to disobedience. We're chained to our desire, to doing things our way and not God's way. We're deceived by the things that the world says will make us happy. Clothes, cars, popularity. And we're captive to the lusts of our flesh. That's what stands between us and freedom. When we accept the truth, that truth comes only through Christ. Those chains are broken and we are set free. Perhaps you're here today and you've been listening, but you've, you've never accepted your freedom. Perhaps you're like Peter. You feel you've said or done something that God can just never forgive. We're not going to point anyone out today because you know who you are. But today I would like to invite you to accept your invitation to eat at the king's table. I would like to invite you to accept the freedom that comes from knowing Christ. I would like to you I would like to invite you to accept Jesus into your heart and it's all free. 
It's all free and it's easy. So together, we are going to pray a very simple prayer. And you're welcome to join us in that. We do this regularly here. So I'm going to ask that every eye be closed and every head bowed. And just repeat after me this prayer. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge my sin. Today I ask for forgiveness and accept your offer to freely forgive me. Today I invite you into my heart. I give my life to serve you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you have made the best decision of your life. And we have something for you. We have got something for you in the back. As you exit the auditorium this morning, you'll see a big wall straight ahead. It says follow on it. There will be some friendly people there. They have a Bible and they have a study book that's free of charge. It's just for you. So go there. Say hello. Get some things that will help you. If you're here today and you need prayer, our altar team is available. Our altar team will just come on forward, folks, and they will be down here to pray with you. We are getting ready to close our service right now. And uh, don't go without knowing who Jesus is in your heart. All right? I'm going to get one more prayer, and then we're going to close. All right? Our altar team's coming forward. Heavenly Father, whose blessed Son Jesus came not to serve but to serve, bless all who, following in His steps of kindness, give themselves to the service of others with compassion and kindness that with wisdom, patience, and courage they may minister in His compassion. He laid down His life for us, Your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with You in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you. Folks, if you need to go today, please do so quietly. If you would like prayer, please come on forward. God bless you, Woodville.